And welcome to the Heart Guy Media Podcast. Today we are discussing 90s horror movies. I am your host, Jesse AHS, and we're going to go through uh, top 10s, uh, myself, a few others, uh, top 10 favorite horror films from the 90s. The 90s were an interesting time for horror because the golden age of horror was kind of over, and we were dealing with the kind of what was left, uh, the remnants of you know these franchises that were still pumping out sequels in the early to mid '90s, um, still trying to keep steam and, and make money where they could. But in the '90s, up until the mid '90s, there wasn't a lot of interest in in studios making horror films. Um, that was until, of course, the the Scream, the masterpiece that is Scream, came around. And rejuvenated the horror genre and turned uh, turned horror back, uh, turned the lights back on in the horror world. Um, and then we saw a, a plethora of uh, newer films that had, you know, teenage uh, focal points in high school, in college, uh, you know, killer on the loose, uh, mystery, come find, figure out the killer, fucking Hitchcockian type uh movies that kind of overtook from 96 uh, you know all the way until the early 2000s so um but there are so many movies that came out from 90 to 96 prior to scream that i feel like are untouched and people don't really discuss them much so we are definitely going to hit there hard we're going to highlight that era a lot as well as you know uh scream in 96 and beyond with all those you know the urban legends and the the Valentines and I know what you did last summers and and all those uh, films that do have uh, shining moments for sure. So uh, yeah, uh, buckle in and uh, enjoy uh, this '90s horror film episode. It's gonna be a good one. Here we are. 90s horror. Gentlemen, we have Brian C. Tyler and Sean Henderson on the podcast. Say hello. Hello. Oh, perfect. So, 90s horror movies. Yeah. I feel I feel a decade in horror that's often glossed over. Really? I mean, for the most part, when people say 90s, like, oh, that's a 90s horror film. I feel like up until 96, up until, you know, Scream-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are kind of like the lost years, the forgotten years of horror from 90 to 96. I feel like there's a lot but of movies. Yeah. Upon diving in and, and kind of doing some, uh, like figuring out like a, like a top list or a, a set of movies and like you're going through each year, like what came out this year? Oh, fuck. There's a lot of fucking horror movies that came out. Not a lot are talked about. So I guess on this episode, we're going to dive into some of these uh, quote unquote deep cuts. And also, you know, the big the big theatrical hits, the few horror hits that there were in the 90s, you know, from 90 to 96, and, and then beyond, of course, with the screams, and then I know what you did last summers and what have you, but uh, what when I say 90s horror to you guys, what is the first movie that comes to your head when I say 90s horror movie? I think of Scream. I know what you did last summer. Right. Urban Legend. Right. What about you, Brian? Let me try it. I'll clear my head and then say go. All right. 
Mind clear? Yeah. Go. Candyman. Candyman. There you go. Now, those early... Those early 90s films still have that 80s vibe to them. Still have that 80s feel, you know what I mean? Especially those movies that came out in 90. You look at, like, a movie... We'll start... We'll, st- we'll start... Do you want to... Now, do you want to do, like, a top ten list first? Or do you want to go through each year and then do the top tens? I feel like maybe doing, like, a top ten-ish thing first might be better. And then we'll be able to dive into those films as well as other films that aren't necessarily in our top ten. But we want to still discuss. It's your podcast. It's our podcast. It depends on what we're talking about, doesn't it, Jesse? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so we'll go through a top. Do you have? Could, can you? Could you go through your list? Because we did top ten lists. Sean and I'm I not did top make ten lists. I'll just name what comes out of my mind. Well, can you do what like a ten to one? Like very, very specific. Right. No, mm-hmm. I can name like probably what might be my ten favorite. Do you want to hear what Sean and I's are first, and then you can chime in throughout? Since we have a set ten to one list. Yeah. All right, sweet. Fine. What do you mean, no? Fine. Because you did a much more broader... Relax. relax. Don't be a dicker. Okay. All right. So, this, Sean, you and I will go back and forth, starting at 10, and we'll go 10, 10, 9, 9, 8, 8, so forth. Yeah. Are you you excited, BT? Yeah. Because I want to hear your reactions when you... I want to... Well, we're going to be able to see your reaction, but feel free to chime in. When after we rattle one off, so Sean, start. What's your number ten? Nineteen nineties horror movie. All right, number ten, uh, House on Haunted Hill, nineteen ninety nine. The remake. The remake. Chris Kattan. Yes. And Jeffrey Comeover. That's such a fun movie. It is. I have not seen that one since I rented it from fucking Video King. You're remember? depriving yourself. Yeah, I haven't seen. Fun times, yeah, I haven't seen it since then. I can I can barely remember the thing. I just remember Chris Kattan was in it. Questions? Questions? Any questions? <laughs> I should um, but yeah, ninety nine, the ass end. Yeah. Uh, my number ten, a nineteen ninety one film, Children of the Night. It was a Fangoria film. Uh, I showed Brian it recently. Was that your first time viewing of that film? Yeah, I didn't even know what it was about. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a vampire flick. It's fucking Amy Delenn's. Who we're gonna we're gonna dive into a little Amy Delenn's uh, rabbit hole here. You know, Amy Delenn's was in Witchboard Two. She was in Tick. She was in Pumpkinhead Two. She was and Children of the Night in the nineties for lower budget horror. She was she fucking was doing it. So uh, so yeah, that's my number ten, Children of the Night. Number nine, Sean. The Faculty, nineteen ninety eight. The Faculty. That is a fucking... I feel like that one's not talked about enough. No. Maybe because it kind of gets labeled a little more science fiction, but that's 100% a fucking horror film. Yeah, it was like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but at school. And that was... Oh, that wasn't... By any means, I feel like horror got mainstream after Scream 2. Studios were more, like, pumped to put money into these films, or at least a little bit, because they knew they would turn out, especially these teen horror movies. Like, they're like, oh, shit, there's still an audience for these teen horror movies. And you had big fucking names in that one. Yeah. I mean, for the 90s, you had Elijah Wood and Josh Hartnett. Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Uh, you know, Clea Duvall. Like, uh, plenty of fucking uh, notable names in there. 
And that that is a great film, directed of course by Robert Mark, Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, and that's a fucking awesome film. And uh, and I did mention that in the big list that we did, and we're gonna go through our big lists here in a second with Brian. Um, but yeah, Faculty, Brian, how do you feel about the Faculty? It is so much fun. It is a fucking ride. Yeah, that's all you gotta say. There's so many like great '90s people in it. We were just yeah. saying that. Josh. It's nice of you to ju- yeah, we literally said this. Thank I'm you, making thank you. my list and listening. All right, perfect. Josh Hartnett. Yep, Cleve Duvall. We just talked about this. She's, a, heart, she's a heartthrob. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word I was going to use. So my Josh number Hartnett. nine, a sequel to the 1988 classic, Child's Play, Child's Play 2. Nice. Uh, that movie fucking uh, was just... It's my favorite of the child Child's Play films of, you know, the Chucky franchise. Um, I mean, the toy, the doll factory scene, like, oh, alone, yeah. like, is everything you wanted. And then, like, seeing Chucky go to, like, you saw him, like, kind of, uh, you know, he was a little more elusive in the first film. You didn't see, you still saw him, especially at the end, but you didn't really get a dose of, like, Chucky running around in action, fucking wisecracking, slitting throats, until the third act. Of the first film. So in the second film, it was cool to see him fucking take out the fucking teacher. Oh, that seems fucking bad. Oh, yeah. And, like, it, that movie's shot so well, and it's fucking hilarious. Like, it, it's so much fun. And that was before they were even trying to make him funny, really, I, I think. Uh, I feel like they were still going with a serious angle. Like, when, like even just stupid shit that seems like dumb humor, but it's fucking cracking me up, is, like, when he's shoveling dirt on the fucking the, the, the doll. doll that he broke. Eat dirt, Tommy. Like, <laughs> fucking hilarious. But Child's Play 2, fucking amazing. Christina Lee's like, uh, who's, you know, getting her face back out there as far as going to conventions and stuff. She's in that, obviously. And Garrett Graham, who was in fucking Chud 2 by the Chud. And, yeah. and fucking, uh, what else was he in? Terrorvision. Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom of the Paradise. Grace Zabriskie. Zabriskie? Yeah. It's the first time I've ever played her, seen her play like a normal human being. Yeah, yeah. In her uh, whole career. But yeah, my number nine, Child's Play 2. Sean, your number eight. Number eight, The Blair Witch Project. 99. The Blair Witch Project. Ooh. That was, I mean, I'm sure you guys can remember distinctly, you know, the all the... The bill. Yeah, yeah. The fair, the fanfare that was around that movie. And, and that was before I was really privy to like what a found footage movie actually was. That um, was like a first for us. Yeah, yeah. that was my first found footage. And, you know, even my parents, when they rented it, they're like, well, actually, you know what? I don't even think they rented that. I think they bought it at like Faze or Eckerd's or whatever it was at the time. They bought it and they were like, you know, fucking, they love scaring the shit out of their kids. So they're just like, oh, this is a fucking real, this is ba- This is all true events. They found the footage and shit. And not knowing like, oh, fucking like. It had a director and like yeah. you know what I mean, like and and was fucking an right. actual studio film, but you know was a found footage film. Um, it scared the piss out of me. Like well, same here, my mom took me to go see it at the uh, West Room West Room Drive-in, mm-hmm. and like obviously I thought it was fucking real. Right, of course. So I mean, what, did you see that in theaters, Brian, or did you see it? Yeah, I thought it was real. You saw it in theaters? Yeah, with nice mom and dad and. Brother and Chad. Yeah, we're going to discuss uh, first horror movies in theaters too, and first some of our first horror movies in theaters because that was all in the nineties. It was all in the nineties. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that too after we're once we get a, further along. But my number eight, People Under the Stairs, nice. Wes Craven, and Wes Craven appears. Spoiler alert: 
Wes Craven appears three times on this, on my top ten. This is the first entrance of his, uh, of his films in here. And it, for my top ten, and it's People Under the Stairs. Uh, just a fucking killer cast. Uh, you know, you got Sean Whale and Ving Rhames, uh, fucking, um, Everett McGill. I mean, the a crazy cast, crazy story, relevant to the times in those early nineties. And this was pre, you know, the Rodney King LA riot stuff, but they were still that like kind of that racial fracture, uh, within like suburban communities and, and, and within the, even the urban communities in, in some of those more white cities, uh, and it was something Wes Craven was touching on, uh, and it, it was just a fucking, it is a fucking landmark film, and every time I watch that film, I love it more and more and more. Did you know it's based off a true story? Uh, yeah, yeah, I read, like, I've read that somewhere, that there was, like, uh, there was, it was some kind of headline that Wes saw, and he, he read into the story, and, and he, yeah. it's, yeah, that's, it's fucking awesome. So, Sean. That was eight. number what? Eight. Eight. That's my number eight, so... Sean, you're number eight. You mean seven? Wait, eight, seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah seven. seven, sorry. Number seven, The Frighteners, 96. The Frighteners. Fucking love this great. Peter Jackson. I, wouldn't, oh, I yeah. haven't even thought about that. Yeah, there's so... That's the thing. There's so many deep cuts. That's why it's going to be interesting. D. Wallace. D. fucking Wallace. Jeffrey fucking Combs. Yep. Jake Busey. Fucking Michael J. Fox. Fucking Arlie Ermey. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, has the cameo. Like, uh, fucking... Uh, Sam, is it Sam Aston? Is that his name? Sean Aston's father. He played fucking Gomez Adams in the original Adams Family show. Oh, he's in the Frighters? Yeah, he plays the old fucking, uh... Oh, he plays the fucking Judd, or the Cowboy. Yes, yes, yes. It's John. John Aston? Yeah. Oh, why was I thinking Sam? I don't See, know. I didn't even know those same fucking... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, Sean, and make that's Sean Aston's father. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, uh, Frighteners, fucking Robert Zemeckis, uh... You know, the Frighteners was supposed to be a Tales from the Crypt movie. Really? But they thought it was so good, they didn't want to tie it to the Tales from the Crypt brand. You know what else they did that with? What's that? Death Becomes Her. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. And yeah. I mean, it's cool that they that became its own thing, too, and wasn't tied yeah. to it. As much as, of course, we all love the Tales from the Crypt brand right. and the HBO show and everything that has to do with that. And we're going to talk about that, too, because you're talking about one of the first horror-like episodic, you know, like, series-type things that come out like that, and there isn't really... We haven't had anything like that since, like, you know what I mean? And they had, like, the, you know, the Friday the 13th show, and then they had Freddy's Nightmares, and, uh, you, you know, Tales from the Crypt, obviously, is just the mecca, because it's bringing in that comic element from the EC and the Vault of Horror and all that shit, mm-hmm. and, you know, basing it off the Tales from the Crypt comics and, and getting that in uh something hbo doing if they brought that show back and i'm not even saying like remade it or anything if they brought that show back and put it on hbo go or whatever the fuck right. their thing's called uh i feel like that people be watching it all the time we don't have to worry about that like because at least a couple of us have the whole series i know i have the whole series i'm pretty sure you do brian um but yeah it's uh it's fucking where the fuck were we? Oh, Jesus fucking... Uh, the Frighteners. Yeah. yeah, The Frighteners. So fucking good. Uh, awesome. Michael J. Right. Fox. One don't of his f- last greats. the Reaper and the fucking soundtrack. Hell yeah. Uh, so, my number seven. And uh, other than... My list almost goes in, like, most watched of all time. 
except for this one. This one, if I was going by most watch, it would probably be in the top three. But this is one that I felt like the six that are ahead of it are better films than this one. But it's in my top ten, so that should at least say something about how much I adore this film. And I know it's hated on, especially by the cast of the original. And I don't want to say hated, because I don't know if they've outwardly come out and said, fuck this sequel. But I had an opportunity at a panel uh, for the original movie to, to ask them about it and... Not only did uh, Dale Midkiff completely be like, oh, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, fucking no-sold it to fuck. He's just like, there's a sequel? Like, uh, no, 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 no. Fucking nothing. And the rest of them, no one said anything. So they're like, fuck that. But it is still directed. The sequel still was directed by Mary Lambert, and I'm talking about Pet Cemetery 2. Fucking awesome cast, awesome story. And I know you two are both fans of it, too. So I need to, right now, before we go any further, I need your input on Pet Cemetery 2. Because it's one that shit on a lot. And I think a lot of the hate is undeserved. Because the original film adaptation of the book was so great that doing a different spin, I've heard people say, like, oh, it's just pretty much just a remake of the original one, which I don't get. I feel like it's a completely new story. Like, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. What's your guys' opinion on it? Because I've loved it since I was a kid, and I've watched it. I wore fucking VHS tapes out of this thing. Well, considering the fact that this is my number six film. Is uh, it your number six yeah. film? So, spoilers. Nice. Wow, I can't believe you <laughs> put Pet Cemetery higher on your list than I did. Right? Pet Cemetery 2 on your list higher than I did. But yeah, go go on. I No, it's extremely underrated. I fucking love it. It's still so watchable. It's Dude, so much fun. Gus. The scenes eating the fucking mashed potatoes. Come on, come on. Clancy Brown is fucking amazing. Yeah, Mr. Krabs. If if anybody has, I mean, and what's what's funny too is Clancy Brown, a few years later, went on to play in a Stephen King adaptation, The Shawshank Redemption. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, he his acting is so underrated. And then you got fucking I obviously Eddie Furlong, hot off the heels of fucking Terminator Two. Uh, Anthony Edwards, who was in Revenge of the Nerds, like, uh, playing Chase, Chase, Chase Matthews, uh, fucking awesome. I thought the cast was fucking just killed it. Blew it right out of the water. I thought it was fucking great. It's such a fun film, especially when you're a young boy watching it, too. You relate, I know I did, even being, you know, six, seven, eight years old watching that movie in the mid, mid mid-90s, and you could relate, you like... You know, especially like, uh, you know, living a little more rural like I did, too. You can, you know, put yourself in that Ludlow-like aspect. Which is funny, because that film, they wanted to shoot it in Maine, like the original, but they ended up shooting it in Georgia because it was much cheaper there. It's much much cheaper to film. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Brian, what are your thoughts on Pet Cemetery 2? Because I know you're a fan. I love it. You guys have already said so much. And There's nothing now, more that you need to put. I think it. the reason people dislike it so much is because it's you know it's a different story, and there is a little more like ridiculousness to it, like a little more just like let's have fun with this. And I mean, it's still very serious. It's a very dramatic oh, movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, the first one. like I might shed a little bit of a tear after you know we can can we spoil the movie. Yeah, if you haven't I seen it like by an now, idiot yeah. on an audio commentary, no spoilers. Yeah, no, fuck that. Um, when the dog gets shot, yeah, that is tearjerker. That's we terrible. We all lost a pet. Sean had to kill his own cat. 
What and the fun? <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> but there's also scenes that are ridiculous, but I love them. Like the, the right. nightmare sequence where Ed turns into the dog or something. Dude, that I happens, remember. Right? Dude, I remember watching that and seeing like, and I was like, you know, when you're a little kid and you're like. But the lighting... The boobs are coming up. And then all <laughs> the of a sudden it turns into the fucking so killer Zowie. And, oh my god, it's so good. And I love it. And you, Yeah, the lighting is good in that scene. It's right. fucking The lighting like, in the whole cool. movie is good. Yeah. And the soundtrack, you already mentioned the soundtrack, right? Of course we opened the show with... Fucking shit, shit list. list. First time yes. I ever heard Led, Zepp- Led Zeppelin. Wow. <laughs> L7. L7. <laughs> my, Many my, people have confused Led Zeppelin <laughs> with L7. My favorite song is um, Fading... You keep cutting into me. I'm sorry. I'm just excited we're talking about all these films. And I, you know, you go through a breakup, you listen to that song. Your dog dies, you listen to that song. You're about to kill yourself, you listen to that song. And I've never listened to, to the song. To the few people <laughs> that avidly listen to this podcast. And by few, I mean... He means all of you. Just say what you're gonna say. Yeah, yeah there's 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 a few. We need more. So tell your fucking friends to listen to this. Anyway, um, not that you're not enough for us. No, you're always enough. That's why we keep doing this. Um, but if you can find a physical copy of the Pet Cemetery Two soundtrack, I will, for a non-nominal fee, I will make sure you're taken care of. Um, oh yeah. So you can contact us at HeartGuyMedia on Instagram and at HeartGuyMedia on Twitter. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that song's great. The whole fucking uh, I've got was. I've got spies by Dramarama, fucking great. Um, two fun facts before I, I'm sorry I could cut you off. Jason McGuire, who played Drew, actually still lives in Georgia. He was a local actor, still lives in Georgia. He used to I know after the film. He had went out. I saw an interview he did, and I, I can't remember what site it was for. It might have been bloody disgusting. I could be completely way off. It might not have been bloody disgusting. But he got really close with Clancy Brown on set, and Clancy Brown, him and his wife, had stayed in contact for a little while after the film, and they had had dinner and stuff together uh, locally in Georgia or whatever. But Jason McGuire actually is the head chef for the Atlanta Falcons now. Oh, yeah, I already told me that. Yeah. So that's a fun fact. And then uh, if anybody didn't realize that Clyde uh, Barker, the villain, the villainous little asshole, teenage fucking asshole, and can you describe an asshole as an asshole like I just said? (laughs) But um, Clyde Barker is fucking Jared Rushton, who was also in Big as fucking Tom Hanks when he was a kid's friend. Oh, really? And he was also in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Nice. And his death scene is an homage to Happy Birthday to Me. Yes, and that's a fucking amazing death scene. Hey, yeah. Junior, want to play? Uh, anyway, so, what did you have to add? Anything? I feel like I added quite a bit. Perfect. Uh, oh. Anything? Bueller? Dry? It's really sad in the beginning when the mom dies. It is. <laughs> and she just... <laughs> that's not what I was... That's... I just uh, was reaching for and something. And she passed away recently, unfortunately. She passed away... Darlan Flugel? Yeah. I don't know how to say her name. Darlan Flugel? She died uh, December last year, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not sure of what. Um, but yeah, R.I.P. Death, death gets them all. Darlan. Darlene. Um, 
Anyway, number six. She was in. Uh, she was in. Was your pet cemetery? Yeah, pet cemetery. Pet cemetery too. So, what? I was just gonna say she was in Once Upon a Time in America with Robert De Niro, I believe. And yeah, that's the movie that you see. Yeah. Him watching where she gets slapped. Yeah. So. So, so yes, your number six. My number seven was Pet Cemetery Two. Sean's number six was Pet Cemetery Two. My number six is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Nice. I feel like this Ooh. is the second best, third best. Uh, it's so hard. Uh, I love the the original Dream Warriors and Night New Nightmare. They're all very equally pretty equal, uh, for how much I love them. Uh, but New Nightmare. I feel like it's underrated. I think it is one of it. It's more than well deserving of uh, even a number six of '90s horror films. But it, it, I go by what I watch the most, and I, well, I did watch this one quite a lot, and I did watch something like Pet Cemetery Two more than than this film too. But I remember when it came out and thinking about how creepy that is. Like, oh fuck, Freddy is you know, you know, it's real beyond. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it was a, it was a, it's still like. Wes's best writing to date, I think, in New Nightmare. Yes. It's it's the most, it's the one of the most brilliant screenplays and films of his, not just his, but in general, is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I, I can't like that film and talk about it enough. Can I say something? Yes. I I mean I I in my head I'm just comparing it to because you know the beginning of the nineties. You know, horror was kind of in a drought. There were some was. great ones that we're going to talk about. But they were struggling. Studios were struggling to keep their, like, big icons relevant. Mm. So you, I mean, I know some of us are fans of these movies. But, like, objectively, Jason goes to hell. They're like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what right, are we doing right. Jason? Like, Freddy's dead. Fun, but it's a cash-in. Like, they right. just, we're trying to get rid of him and make money off it as quick as possible. Halloween fucking look it's paul rudd and and michael's controlled by a cult but so wes what what wes craven did with freddie was like way more like clever and well thought out than what anyone else was right trying to do with these icons and that led to something much bigger with scream just a couple years yeah exactly because it's the same kind of idea like you know yeah you're looking at the films from the outside yeah, it, and it's, it adds a new layer of uh, creepy for sure. So that's my number six. Sean, your right. number five. All right, top five. Here we go. Hen- or the Henderson Household favorite movie of all time, Tremors, 1990. Tremors, another fucking, uh, you know, something that, you know, some people would be hesitant sometimes to even call it horror, but I think it was 100% a horror film. Yeah. As much as it is, a, you know, a sci-fi film. It's, but those, it's a creature feature. Those, exactly. Those things cross-weave each other uh, um, sometimes poorly, but, you know, in the case of something like, you know, 1990s Tremors, I feel like it cross-weaves uh, pretty brilliantly. And, you know, you get a new creature. You know, and now it's a franchise. There's six, what, six films? Seven films? With fucking Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. I watched the newest one. Is it that bad? It depends on, like, what your, like, standards are. I hadn't seen all the Tremors sequels, so I know they slowly get more and more ridiculous and less, uh... They're trying. I not from so what hard. I I haven't finished Bloodlines, but when what I watched the Bloodlines, I can appreciate you know the hokiness of what they're trying to do. Well, I will warn you about one thing. What? It's called a cold day in hell or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're they're like pimping out the snow thing. Like 
only the opening scene takes place in any fucking snowy weather. Like, interesting. <laughs> I have a question though. Is the character Bert in number six? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Bert, that character is so like great, and and the original Tremors is fucking hilarious. Uh, Reba McIntyre yeah. playing his playing his wife. <laughs> of course, Kevin Bacon. Right. Uh, Reba, go back to the Tremors movies. What else do you have? I know, on? right? Come on, woman. The show's over. Uh, anyway, fucking uh, Burt Ward. Yeah, Burt Ward. Uh, or was it? It's Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Yeah. Burt Ward's Robin. Uh, Fred Ward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fucking great. <laughs> that movie's so good, and Kevin Bacon's so fucking good, and he's got like a few really cool horror credits. Yeah. Friday Thirteenth. Friday Thirteenth, of course. Uh, Tremors, and Tremors. also Hollow Man, which was a '90s horror film as well. Yeah. Which I, I kind of enjoyed, you know. Uh, again, uh, more of a like a, a sci-fi crossweave type uh, type movie, but uh, good ne- nevertheless. And yeah, fucking Tremors. And I know Lou is a huge uh, Tremors guy, so if we ever do a Tremors podcast, right. we're gonna have to we're gonna me you and Lou will have to do it, Sean. You said you didn't like Tremors. I never said I, said, <laughs> I did not like the newest Tremors. Oh, okay, film. okay. What I are your thoughts the, on the original Tremors? Then I love the first Tremors. Do you like the second one? I love Aftershocks. Well, I, oh, I told you that I was kind of disappointed as a kid. Yeah, well, I gotta re- it. revisit, revisit. I've tried to watch it twice. It just—it's not putting a—it's not putting its stamp on. It's not that I don't like it. It's just not like memorable, memorable for you. Maybe yeah. I would have had to have grown up with it. Yeah, I, I mean, there was something I watched as a kid, so there's nostalgic factor. The only there, one I but... saw when I was a kid was the first one, which is fucking great. So that's your number five, Sean. Yep. My number five. Uh, again, this one I I would have had it higher because it's so beloved and it's my favorite. It's my favorite take on this classic monster, um, and it is probably the highest grossing film on my list. Huh. Uh, I, I know what it is. And uh, I've watched it a bunch, and I adore this film, and I, I can't talk about it enough. Uh, like any of these films, really. Um, but the the four in front of it. I think I've watched a little bit more than this one, so that's why they kind of took precedence. Um, but I really can't understate how great Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right. It's fucking amazing. Uh, all the, you know, I think 95% of the effects in it are all practical, done by uh, Roman Coppola, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's son, uh, who he, he had to convince, you know, through the, this illusionistic, uh, you know, practical effects of doing the the blue inferno and and doing all the the fucking cool little uh projection shots of dracula's eyes in the sky when keanu reeves is riding in the fucking like uh horse and buggy type fucking deal um you know they convinced the studio you know fuck off like with the cgi that you want to do because i thought the blue inferno shit was cgi it wasn't oh wasn't no so many things don't look real in that movie but they they did them it's um it's amazing fucking amazing roman coppola deserves nothing but praise and the the team that worked on that film to do those effects are and the fucking cast is amazing winona Ryder, amazing keanu reeves amazing fucking gary oldman the i know i'm gonna get a hate and don't get me wrong bell lugosi is king i got a bell lugosi fucking stand-up light in my fucking dining room right now Love, love the original fucking Universal Dracula, but Gary Oldman is fucking on another level as far as acting goes. Um, 
he had more material to work with than Bella that, Lugosi. That's very like, true. Let's be fair. That's very true. Um, but man, it's just it's such a fucking great movie, and it was kind of a little juggernaut in 1992 when it came out. In uh, you know Thanksgiving of '92. Uh, Did you mention Anthony Hopkins? Anthony fucking Hopkins, which I think I will I will say this with 100% confidence: it's one Anthony Hopkins' best role, and I think it fucking I think I think he's hilarious and like he's good in that. And I mean, obviously he he has very little screen time in uh, in Silence of the Lambs. And it's very memorable, but that movie never really stuck with me. Even seeing it as a kid, I was like, eh, I don't... I feel the same way about that yeah. movie. Yeah, I was like, the poster's cool, but aside from that, eh, I could take it or leave it. Uh, it's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Of course. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, 1992. Fucking classic. I can't talk uh, enough about it. So, uh, Sean, you're number four. My uh, second Robert Rodriguez film on this list, From Dust to Dawn. It is interesting that that's your number four, because that is also my number four. Oh, nice. Now we can talk. Wow. Uh, is it your number four, too? It's my number five, but my, I feel like mine's not as specific in the order that it is. Right. So it's a, a route about in the same area for for the three of us. So uh, yeah. let's all talk right now about it, then. Okay. It's fucking, you know, it was a movie I remember renting. Yeah. <sighs> And, uh, I remember watching it and I didn't, it was one of those things. It's one of those fucking sick movies where if you blind rent it, you know, you don't really know what it's going to be about. And it was before I knew, obviously, because I was seven or eight years old when I saw it. I didn't know that Quentin Tarantino was obviously like a director of like, you know, movies at all so i didn't even know that he was a director obviously until i get a little older and understood that but him george clooney uh you know and cheech marin's in it playing three (laughs) roles is fucking amazing but that is one of the most another brilliant fucking movie first half of the movie it's an action crime getaway fucking movie second half total horror vampire flick fucking amazing the first time i watched it uh, it was on sci-fi. Mom was like, oh, you gotta watch this movie. She didn't tell me it was a vampire flick. And I like, you know, I thought it was you. I'm like, oh, it's an action fucking bank robber movie. Right. As soon as, like, the vampire showed up, I'm like, what the, what the, like, what am I watching now? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a whole, like, 180. Yeah, and that is done so brilliantly. And the fucking cast is amazing. Obviously, it wasn't the first film, because he was in the, a movie I've mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, it's called Bomb by Honor, and the alternative title is Blood In, Blood Out. And it's a fucking amazing movie. Uh, Danny Trejo had a smaller role in that, but this is like his shining, Danny Trejo's right. shining moment where he kind of got introduced to people like us that has followed his career. And when we see him, we're fucking delighted and we're like, oh, fuck, Danny Trejo's in this. Um, you know, that was his first, for me, that was the first thing that I saw him in. I was like, ooh, right. like, guy's memorable. You know, he's got a little, he's got a fucking like uh, a thick build. You know, at that point, his fucking pectorals could probably fucking. <laughs> break fucking 70 hard-boiled eggs in a blink of a fuck um but i'll tell you what uh you know that whole fucking cast is great harvey keitel underrated uh julia lewis fucking amazing uh killer fucking cast obviously tom savini uh playing sex machine and running that movie i remember running it and it got returned okay and and this was an odd movie because it got rented on like a tuesday night for whatever reason, it was whenever my uncle strolled into town or whatever, 
Like, ah, you go rent a couple movies and get pizza. It must have been a new rental, because we're talking, like, uh, you know, 95, 96, yeah. around there. Um, rented it, got a pizza, it was Tuesday night, stayed up late, watched it, was fucking obsessed. Fucking, like, stayed up late, watched it, fell asleep, woke up fucking, like, yeah, like, 4.30 in the morning, fucking put it on so I could watch it before I went to school. Went to school, was dog fucking tired. Called out the next day because I went to school that day. I was super fucking... I mean, you're talking like I was in second or third grade. I was so fucking tired when I came home. I was like, I don't feel good. And my mom's like, oh, well, if you don't feel good in the morning, you know, you stay home. And I remember that following morning when I fucking... I was like, yeah, not feeling good. I fucking bought it on (laughs) pay-per-view. And, you know, when the bill came like, you know, three weeks later, my dad's just like, what the fuck? Right. Who the fuck ordered this fucking movie? (laughs) Um... But yeah, like that's the some of the first memories I have of that film, and and from then on, it's you know, watching it with you guys and, and watching it with other people and introducing other people to it and and just talking about how much and how brilliant that film is. But from dust till dawn, when was the first time you guys? Well, you talked talked about your mom kind yeah. of blind showing you, but what was the first time you saw it, Brian? On television, my dad used to watch it all the time, and I never had any interest in it. I didn't know what it was about, really. Right, right. And then I walked in, and there's, like, later in the movie, I think I left the room, came back, there was a vampire playing a guitar with a human torso. <laughs> Maybe I'm one like, of the best what are you watching that. now? He's like, from dusk till dawn. I'm like, this is a vampire movie now? But when I find and I, I finished it, and I loved it, and then when I finally watched it from the beginning, it's just a brilliant movie. I compare it, this kind of extreme to, to Psycho, because, like, there's, the first half of the movie is about one thing, and the second half of the movie, like, there's a, a twist halfway through, and then it's it goes into a whole other direction. It's yeah. like horror all of a sudden. But it doesn't, it all flows so well. It doesn't yeah. feel like two different movies. Exactly. Like, and I think he was a Tarantino was a little inspired by Vamp. Have we talked about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of you kind of like uh, freshened me up to that. Actually. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's a ripoff because no, no. Even it, if he took inspiration from Vamp, he took it in like. Did you just flash me? <laughs> I mean, it's hot in here right now. And he did his own thing with it, and. The only things, the only other thing that you guys haven't mentioned that I feel is worth mentioning is Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson, of course. Uh, yeah, smoking his cigar, ripping out vampires' hearts with his bare hands. <laughs> Tom Savini as Sex Machine with his the fucking dick and balls gun. The, the, the cock the, gun. The cock gun. And I'm gay, and Salma Hayek's dance Oof. scene gets me hard as a fucking rock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't say everything that you need to hear about uh, about From Dust Till Dawn, then Selma Hayek can make a gay man walk. <laughs> Fuck. Um, gay men can walk, idiot. <laughs> Alright, that was very... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, From Dust Till Dawn. Fuck it. Oh yeah, final little tidbit. We mentioned this on the Capital City Smiths podcast, which is who you heard on the Night of the Creeps episode. And also the Ramones episodes a while back and, and a few other episodes of Silver Bullet uh, Review we did. Uh, Lou Smith, he had a podcast, and it's coming back, the Capital City Smith's podcast. Uh, we talked about this, and I brought this point up. The drummer in the band, in From Dust Till Dawn, is the drummer from Oingo Boingo. Is it really? Yes, it is. It's so fucking cool. Um, yes. 
uh, which I found the, Tito and the Tarantula. tarantula but yeah. yeah, the drummer is the original drummer for Oingo Boingo. Uh, I, believe I can't remember his fucking name. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Tip of the tongue, teeth, and the lips. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck his name is. It's something... Uh... Oh, fuck. Damn it. I can't remember. And Vatos. It's Vatos something. John Vatos something. Um, let me check real quick. Keep talking. I have to right. pee. Should I do it now? Before yeah, you can you go get piss. To number three? Yeah, you can go piss. Okay. Fat, but yeah, Johnny Johnny Vatos Hernandez is the drummer for Oingo Boyo's name. Anyway, so now you're back from your piss, Brian. Um, number four, we're at Sean. You're at three. Yes, I thought three. 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 Oh. No, it's yeah. I, did, I did my. You both had from Dust Till Dawn. No, it's four. four. Oh no, shit. Okay, now three. Uh, <laughs> do you not have it written down? I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> but number three, the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Not a Living Dead, nineteen ninety. Yes. Where are you reading that from? It's in my brain, motherfucker. No. Oh. You looked at your phone like you were reading it. Brian, you and I did a whole episode on this. Um, yeah. We are gonna touch on it here in a second because it's coming up on my list. Um, but there was something relieving about the nineties that I feel like the eighties lacked as far as horror movies went, and it was like the black leads the black semi-leads and leads in horror films, um, you know, where you, or at least a little more prominent as, like, badass characters. I feel like you didn't see as many, definitely not in the 80s. Um, when you look at, you know, obviously, it's a remake, so there's obviously, a, you know, Dwayne Jones played Ben in the original Night of Living Dead, but, you know, getting Tony Todd, who was just, he's pretty imposing, even, you know, for, for playing, like, a kind of a pretty normal everyday guy yeah but you know and you, then you have ving rames who he didn't play like a, the focal point of people under the stairs um uh, but you know and fred williamson and from dust till dawn you know it was cool to see these uh you know these stronger black characters in uh in horror movies because i feel like we didn't see that really in the 80s i feel like there was a <laughs> i mean it wasn't a lot of, like, well, what black horror movies was there in the 80s? Not that, you know, From Dust Till Dawn's a black film. If anything, it's a, it's a Hispanic film. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. And, which brings me to my number three. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Ooh. With our fucking, our holy Moses, Ken Ferret. Yeah. Love fucking Ken Ferret. I love Ken Ferret. I dream of Ken Ferret. And this is... And some, not even in a sexual way. And, and this, not even Still. in From Beyond when he was wearing the, like, fucking, the, like, He-Man fucking underpants. Oh, my God. Those fucking orange, orange tidy whities Or something, but, um... Oh, yeah, there was a time or two. This is another film that's shit on, a sequel that's shit on, and I think it's unjustly shit on, because I watched this movie so what much as a kid. What the hell is your guy's problem with Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3? No clue what people have to shit talk in Comment there. and let us know what you hate about it so much. Yeah, what fucking grinds your gears about this movie so much, because I think it's great. You're talking about a fucking amazing cast. Kate Hodges, fucking oh, yeah. amazing. Viggo Mortensen, fucking amazing. Ken Foray, fucking amazing. Ari Mihailov is fucking Leatherface, fucking amazing. Joe Unger. Joe fucking Unger is Tank. Fucking, it, it, it's so much fun. Miriam Bird Nethery. And uh, Tom Everett. And it playing the fucking gas station attendant, Alfredo. <laughs> yeah. That dude's lines, I still fucking quote all the time. And for, for some reason, 
the fucking take your motherfucking face text and ram it up your butt. Like, Have you that seen fucking... him in another movie? Yeah, he's been in a bunch of different oh, stuff. Okay. He's got a hell of a discography. Or a filmography. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hell of an artist. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, fucking hilarious. When he's throwing body parts in the fucking, in the, like, swamp, and he's just, just like, is it soup Yeah, Like, <laughs> fucking, like, think about how twisted that is. He's throwing, like, jacked up, dismembered fucking body parts. And he kisses the head. And he's just like... Uh, who you... kisses a severed head? Yeah. <laughs> Sick fucks. That's he it. claims he needed a task work. <laughs> like, he's just fucking, like... So, it's so I feel like he ad libs stuff. Oh my god! Like it just doesn't. Dude, feel, that's underrated. It doesn't like, feel scripted to me. You see what I mean? There's so many little parts of that film that seem well. One, obviously, the homage to the original. Well, one, we gotta fucking we gotta rip we gotta rip into this one a little bit in a good way. Um, yeah. no, in a good way. One, you got the. It's just so such a creepy fucking film, and it brought it back after obviously the original was so creepy. And then the second one, Toby went a different. Toby Toby Hooper went a different angle and went a little more comedic yeah. with it. And it was fun, but it was still creepy and like weirdly offbeat in, in the only Toby Hooper way that he could be. It was so amazing. But then in the third one, it got fucking dark again. Yeah. And despite all the bullshit, and that one was the only one that wasn't filmed in Texas. That one was filmed in California. Um, and it's. It's funny because that movie had so much shit. It went the fucking MPAA ripped that fucking thing apart. Like if you watch, if anybody watches the special features, the special features featurette on the DVD or Blu-ray, it's fucking Jeff Bird tells you how fucked it was. He fucking got fired off it, and they hired him back. Originally, what would you say? Peter Jackson was supposed to direct it. Uh, it's uh, it's fucking it's it's it was it was a chaos of a movie. And the fact that it still resonates with people like us, and I know there are other fans of that as well. Um, but I grew up with it, and it was so creepy. Obviously, the homage scene to the original with the armadillo getting hit, and the the smallest things in that movie still. And and I, I want your guys' input on this as well. The whole getting stopped by the cops when they discovered the mass grave yeah. that, that they were buried in. Yeah, that and scene. It, even before they show like the 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 fucking head with the poison fucking yeah. you know uh, poison Crisco pretty much if you're buried William fucking Butler underrated horror fucking icon in the early nineties Night of the Living Dead ninety Leatherface just fucking like he was in uh, the New Blood Friday Thirteenth New Blood Leatherface I'm so he was a little I'm whiny so bitch happy. the character was but I'm so happy when he dies in that movie but it's, that is it's just his dialogue yeah yeah that's the I think only, he was supposed to be that way though that's my only complaint is I'm just like shut up William Butler I love it I love it though I love him I love the movie <laughs> but um but yeah like just that scene where they're stopped in the middle of the night and the cops there and the cop and the guy that played the police officer that was just just like you know don't stop for nothing or nobody like I fucking love- what? Uh, I'm gonna take back what I said about William Butler. I hate the character. Yeah, not, not, not the Butler. actor. Not, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, okay. But even that scene before they even showed that they were digging up body parts um, that they found, like, it's just so, like, creepy because you know something fucked up's happening. And if cops stopped me and told me that, I'd be like, uh, I'm gonna stay right here with fucking you guys right. because I don't want to <laughs> fucking drive down the road if you're like, don't stop right. for nothing or nobody. And the, 
fucking Caroline Williams cameo is in that scene. Caroline Williams cameo playing the newscaster. In, in my head, she's still stretched. Oh, yeah. And she became a reporter, like she said she wanted to do in the I'm second film. I'm sick of playing headbanger music. I want to do something real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking amazing. She's doing something real now. Um, But, yeah. It's a... It's a fucking a juggernaut of a film. And fucking Viggo Mortensen, obviously, you know, get, cutting, you know, starting to cut his teeth into Hollywood and obviously becoming a juggernaut with the Lord of the Rings uh, franchise's character in those films. But uh, it really is like, a, I'll never understand the hate because the Leatherface makeup looks so fucking good. Uh, he's creepy and like, what he fucking is using like the little fucking like 80s fucking. The word, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a clown. It's like F O O D, food. Like fucking amazing. And there's so many like cool. And Joe Unger, we're gonna talk about Joe Unger here in a little bit too, because he was in Jeff Burr was a, a fan of his, and uh, and you know, we're talking uh, Amy Delenz too. We're getting to Amy Delenz. We're gonna talk about some familiar faces in the '90s, but Amy Delenz and Joe Unger, Pumpkinhead too. But what, Brian? I have. Five things I'd like to say about Leatherface. <laughs> five things. Hit them. Yeah. Hit them where it hurts. After the opening narration, you know, the sledgehammer swinging into that girl's forehead. Oh, yeah. It's like the first thing you see in the movie, and it's like one of the best openings to a horror oh, movie definitely. ever. Love the whole opening credits. The music. Oh, the yeah. font even. Like, just oh, yeah. It's amazing. Cut up the skin. That's number one. Okay. Number two. We knows what to do with them parts. <laughs> that's that's yours. That's your thing. I know. I just that's wanted not to my say that. Two. I know. I know. <laughs> my number two has already been said. Caroline Williams cameo. Okay. What's number three? Number three. Faster. What I love about this movie is the um, chemistry between the family members. Oh, yeah. Okay, because yeah. this is the first time in the series that we see them. We feel that they actually care about each other. They, yeah. They're a family that loves each other, but they also kill people and eat them. Yeah. And rape them. The Saw's family. Because another thing I need to talk about is they hint that this little girl in the movie is Leatherface's daughter, which means Leatherface raped a bitch. Yeah. Ain't no... Well, you know what? You don't think he consent? Maybe... Is that judgmental of Leatherface? Yeah. Are you stereotyping Leatherface? That he couldn't get that Texas... uh, Texas whistle? It's cute what you're doing. Um... (laughs) So, yeah, that's pretty dark. And I feel like that's what they were going for because it's a dark movie. And it's and they still dance. I don't know if you noticed, but they still dance with the, like, uh, the transgender-ish stuff because when fucking uh, Tex is, like, yeah. putting the, placing the knives, he's painting his nails and stuff. So there's some, like, we, like I, I don't want to say, like, weird transgender stuff and, like, and, and, like, make someone think that, like, there's something against transgenders within the horror realm but like obviously Leatherface like is based off Ed Gein. Ed Gein you know fucking skinned a fucking woman's face off and put it on his own and danced in the pale moonlight. Yeah. (laughs) So there was like some weird like wear your mother's bra and fucking be a weirdo in the backwoods type thing that was going on and obviously you know there were some women womanly qualities about Leatherface that were I think intentionally incorporated from the you know based on the true events of Ed Gein, um, and then you see that obviously transpire into like the brothers with Tex put placing the knives there and he has the painted yeah. fingernails. It's such a deep layered film. 
It's like my favorite Viggo Mortensen role. Oh, of course. Um, Minus Hildago. I haven't. Hildago. I don't know how many I've named yet, but I'm gonna cut it short. Okay. Ken Foray, love him in this movie when he sets Benny. Tex on fire and it's he's toast. Like, Fuck. <laughs> yes. You, you wanted to say no, it though, well, didn't you? I did, but I don't know how it would have sounded. So I'm glad. I want to hear you say it though. You're toast. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also tried. love what a dick Joe Unger is. Like the first thing he's just like, he. Well, I mean, he's a fucking like cannibal. He's part of Leatherface's family, so I guess I couldn't. I shouldn't think of anything less. But like, he doesn't even try to hide the fact that like, listen, I'm an asshole, and uh, you're gonna fucking go get to me. Like, kills me. He's just like, what the fuck are the flares for? Stupid. Like, look, <laughs> he's just like a complete asshole. And it's uh it's fucking hilarious, but he Joe Unger is so fucking underrated. And everything I see that guy in, he's if he's, he's got enough favorite, lines. Um, he fucking steals the show. I don't well, I don't have a favorite family member from the movie, but I almost said oh, it's it him. him. But I also love Viggo Mortensen. I love technology's your friend. I um, and I love Leatherface. And this is gonna sound creepy, but this is her name in the credits. I love the little girl. Jennifer Banco did a great job. Yeah. Whack, whack. <laughs> I know. It's so good. They're raising oh. her correctly for how they want to be raising her. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So they're doing a hell of a job. Um, and she was the only one that survived. Besides yeah. Leatherface. Like, the two of them got... I don't know where I'm going yeah. with that. I'm just going to end it. And that, that movie is so much, so much fucking fun. Um... And uh, I'd love to do a commentary or something on it, but thank you, Jeff Burr, for providing that movie to us. Thanks, Jeff Burr. Uh, Sean, you're number two. Number two, we just did a podcast not that long ago, but Scream, 96. Scream, 96. My number two, Scream, 96. Nice. <laughs> My number two, Scream, 96. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. So, I'm so gonna, I mean, we talked incessantly about Scream. We, but we, we gotta... just heard us talk about it. But Jesse has a few things he'd like to say. Yeah, definitely. Always. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you want to hear us wax extensively about this, you can go back a few episodes. We covered the entire Scream film series here on the Heart Guy Media Podcast. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like we've said, we've talked a lot. Uh, it changed the whole horror genre, and it kick-started... From 96 on until 2000 and then beyond, it, it kick-started the, the, the teenage 90s slasher oh, yeah. where, you know, things, they're, they're, the rules were beginning to be, unri- to be rewritten. And the future was unwritten for horror at that, fil- at, that, that, at that time for what movies would become and what the format for a horror movie would entail because after 96 you know you get I know he did last summers the urban legends, legends. and uh, and I, I wrongly said Valentine in the opening of the podcast and Brian corrected me and said it was 2001 but, but it does it have still, a very 90s it still flavor it comes in the wake of Scream it definitely does definitely does and you know the 90s they were still washing out the 90s in yeah, the early 2000s yeah. still and, trying to get some of the dirt out now I want to talk to you, Brian, as a Buffy fan of the. Obviously, we all love the the film, the nineteen ninety two film with Chrissy Swanson. Um, but the show, 
Do you think that show... What effect do you think the Buffy show had on 90s horror? I don't think it had any effect on 90s horror. Horror movies. You don't think it had, like... Well, no, not really. I wouldn't say... I think it affected television, but I don't think it had any effect on Do you think that the... Well, well, let me rephrase it. Do you think 90s... The way 90s horror films went, that instead of remaking the film they decided to do a series because that was kind of a fresh, weird, new idea too. You know, talking about 90s, you know, we're talking about 90s horror films, but, you know, we'll stretch a little bit into television. This is like the first true blue, like there wasn't a werewolf series. I mean, I mean, MTV did the Teen Wolf series, but that was terrible. There was um, She-Wolf of London with, with Kate Hodge in the early 90s. Yeah. I've never seen it. I just know it exists for some reason. I've never seen it either, we but... We should get our hands on a copy. It was only one or two seasons. Um, but yeah, you know, talk about a show that came out in the 90s and it's soaked with that like 90s culture. And there's a 90s fashion, but I feel like from 90 to 94... Well, I'll even just say 90, 91, 92... Before, like, Nirvana and the whole, uh, like, 90s grunge thing exploded out of Seattle, um, the early 90s, 90, 91, 92, almost felt like pre, like, like post-80s. Like, no one really knew how to act, like, what to wear. The fashion wasn't, like, you know what I mean? The fashion yeah. wasn't uh, identified yet what the 90s fashion was going to be felt like early on in the 80s even though like 80 81 people still were wearing like bell bottoms and they were wearing like you know these fucking people still had brown and orange burnt orange carpets in their house and stuff like that but i felt like you know once we got to like 82 83 we were they were completely identified with how the 80s were going to be there was a lot of neon colors there was different music you know you had a lot more of the new wave stuff that ended in the 70 that started in in the 70s with bands like the cars and devo and stuff like that and expanded into that like more popular electronic uh mainstream slash new wave slash pop stuff and along with that came uh, you know a culture and like a fashion where i think that was kind of absent for a little while and people with the 90s it almost just seemed like post 80s no one really knew or had an identity of what was going to happen and i think that stretched beyond fashion we talk about something as simple as fashion we talked about like how movies didn't really have an identity and then breaking it down into genres horror really didn't have an identity in those early 90s you were kind of getting a little bit of everything and a little bit of different stuff all over the place you know you were getting like a remake of night of the living dead in 1990 which is my number one film. Nice. Um, but we're going to touch on that in a second. Uh, which, uh, again, you and I talked about that whole film in a podcast. So so we'll kind of hit our highlights on that film uh, before we hear... Or after we hear Sean's uh, number one, too. But, you know what I mean? Horror really didn't have... We were still getting sequels from movies that came out in the 80s. Uh, you know, we're still getting Howling. You know, Howling, uh, The Freaks sequel in 91 you know child's play in 1990 or child's play 2 in 1990 child's play 3 in 91 you know we were still getting add-on sequels to these franchises these huge and they were like trying to create the new like keep, keep it alive and, and keep well they were trying to going create too. new icons that just weren't sticking like weren't Dr. sticking Giggles yeah yeah was, I, they tried to make that a thing 
Dude. I mean, even with um, with uh, you know, things like nine six uh, nine seven six evil, like that mm-hmm. was going to be like uh, you know, I think they wanted to turn that into something right. that came in uh, you know, eighty uh, eighty eight, and when did the sequel come out? Ninety. 90- one? 92. 92? 91 or 92. Yeah, 91 or 92, I, which I've only seen once and I didn't like it. But, um, but yeah, there was still uh, but something we did see a lot of, and I'm going to talk about it after you tell us what your number one is, because my number one is Night of the Living Dead 1990. Yeah. My number one is, just, before we get to your number one, I'm just, I must be so out of it. Why? You just like took my brain for like a whole like roller coaster ride because I feel like we were talking about Scream and then you asked me about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then it's like you just kept talking and there was fashion and there was just 90s as a whole and the 90s identity and 90s fa- and I, I take you on a roller coaster ride and, and I hope everyone enjoys it. It's a little yeah. fucking scatterbrained here, but that's how we like to keep it. I'm not complaining. It's like the right, Sorry, Sean. And I'm fucking straight as an arrow, too. The only thing I'm hopped up on is fucking five donuts. Right. So, my number one. My second Peter Jackson film on this list. You know, 92 overseas, 93 here in America. Oh, yeah, Sean, fucking, Sean and I had this debate before you came over, right? So, fucking Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead Dead Alive, your number one. Yes. You know, Dead Alive was in my top ten. You take it off. And I had to bump it off, uh... Because uh, something else had to make... I can't remember what I bumped it off for. But it was like a 9 or 10 in my list. And nothing against that film. But I didn't discover that film until like I was like maybe 12, 13. So I didn't grow up with it. And, and, and my list was more so based on nostalgia. Um, if you don't same, see a movie until you're 12, you don't consider yourself to have... No, movie. no, no, not at all. But I'm saying, like, I'm trying to base it off movies that I literally have seen a million times, that I watched a million times because I love oh. them so much, you know what I mean? That I just played incessantly. Well, no, that's how I feel about Dead Alive, because I ran that. It was a blind rental when I was a kid with my yeah. sister. And, like, after we watched it, like, every weekend while I took us to Video King, we kept on grabbing that fucking tape. Yeah. And my mom was like, really? This fucking movie again, the goddamn rat. Yeah. Just like, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's a goddamn rat, man. <laughs> Ronnie White reference from yes. uh, Rob's Always Halloween, if you didn't know, but um, the best character in, in any fucking movie of all time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, Dead Alive's. Uh, Sean's like, oh, it's ninety two, which it came out ninety two over in England, or was it New Zealand? New, it's a New Zealand. Zealand film, obviously, because uh, Peter Jackson's New Zealandic. Or whatever the fuck you call them. New Uh Kiwis. Uh, but, but yeah, and it didn't get uh, released in the States until February 93. So that's yeah. why I was like, yeah, it's fucking 93, not 92. Either way. Uh, yeah, that's a fucking great film. And I know oh, for yeah. a while you and I were fucking like showing like anybody we could oh, that, that film. That was like our post like band show movies. So oh, like, yeah, yeah. We played yeah. a show and we got together and watched fucking Dead Alive afterwards. Yeah, seriously. Because there was always someone hanging out that hadn't seen it. We're like, oh, you gotta fucking see Dead Alive. Oh, make sure you're eating while you're yeah, watching yeah, it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get some fucking vanilla pudding. Yeah. <laughs> what we need is another war. <laughs> so, uh... Thoughts on Dead Alive, Brian? When was the first time you saw Dead Alive? With you guys. That was the first time? The, the post-Stronger Ghost party Shit, shows. hell yeah. It was funny and entertaining. 
That's I all. don't remember it that well. Oh, I remember. It's a great film. I fucking love it so much. It. I loved the zombie baby. It was oh, cute. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so like <laughs> offbeat. It's so wild. It's so much fun. Some scenes like really legitimately gross me out, but I love the baby scene and the um the rat. Oh yeah, Tengaya. The love story. Tengaya. <laughs> the love story was cute, and the mom was a bitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> your mother. She ate my dog. Oh, and the, the priest. Uh, I can't ask for the Lord. Which is funny that you brought that up. Uh, I'm I remember playing... the highlights. It's like I read an outline. <laughs> like I'm uh, playing a video game right now called Zombie Army Trilogy, and one of the. Uh, achievements you get is you find the shotgun called a preacher and it literally popped up on the bottom of the screens like i kick ass for the lord i fucking marked out so hard playing that's uh, awesome that's a clear Mm -hmm. homage uh but yeah that film so much fun especially with like the 50s like uh angle on it the greasers and stuff it's so much Mm -hmm. fun but uh yeah my number one uh as i already said was night of living that 1990 um you can go back in our archives and see that we already talked about uh, the entire film, uh, Brian and I did, uh, Night of Living Dead 1990, obviously an amazing cast, you got Tommy Towles, William Butler, um, uh, Patricia, Patricia Tallman as, uh, Barbara in this, and of course Tony, Tony Todd, Bill Mosley, just the, the fucking icon, Bill Mosley, um, yeah, and it's just, uh, that movie I watched so much as a kid too i remember the pre-recorded uh you know or the recorded vhs i had it on on a blank vhs had it recorded on there with ferris wheeler's day off and uh just i, I was obsessed with that movie i was obsessed with the score even as a kid i loved watching right. the end credits because the score is just so sick and it's that made zombies scary again for me not that i mean when i first saw it i mean not that i was like I saw like 900 zombie films at that point but like that like especially because you know like the original takes place obviously in a farmhouse and I lived out in a rural setting like that added a new element of horror to me that I look across the street and I see like the woods I'm just like fuck I'm fucked if zombies come here well it's funny thing you brought that up saying like the movie's kind of creepy because I remember falling asleep you know fucking Cinemax or Showtime and like this is like high school waking up and that movie was playing and I'm like, oh, shit, I'll, fuck. I'll watch it. I'm like half awake. And I'm like, holy shit, this is actually legitimately creepy. Like, I actually, you know. Yeah, it's. It's rare for me to get, like, you know, like that creepy, eerie yeah, feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's Tom Savini's directorial debut, and it's just, uh, there's, if he feels any kind of regret over that, he shouldn't at all, because that film has done so much for me as a horror fan, and I, I revere it and love it so much. And I love, obviously, that George did the screenplay for it. And it was kind of, you know, from what I hear, it was kind of, it was more or less made so they could make a little money on the Night of Living Dead name. At least that's what John Russo had, to- had kind of told me. Um, but it's, uh, it is a fucking, it's the best remake, core remake of all time. And I'll fist fight somebody that wants to say otherwise. I love it so much, and it's just a fucking classic film. So are you that, saying that people that are against that remake are a bunch of yo-yos? Yes, they are a bunch <laughs> of fucking yo-yos. Uh, touche, Sean. Um, but yeah, so now that we've done some top ten inch, uh, let's dive in. Since you haven't well, broken you know, down... It's not like I haven't said anything about no, I know. The Living Dead remake. I didn't... Gee, calm down. Well, 
Can I say some? Yeah, stuff yeah. I didn't. You made it sound like you didn't want to because we covered a whole podcast on it. Go. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we did cover it. All right. What were you gonna say though? I kind of was zoning out just now. Okay, perfect. Like, so yeah. you kind of broke yours your so, stuff down into by year. So I have a bunch of titles written down with the years well, next I to them. So um, if you want to start at nineteen ninety, no, I would like to say some stuff first. Yeah, you can. But you got to get going. You can't just say it and then stall. I don't like that. Okay. Okay, cool. Go I on. better talk really fast like you do and say um a lot in between words so like I have the um energy to um keep the podcast going <laughs> at a, a, a fast pace like we should be doing constantly because you should never hear a short pause without a goddamn word. Um, so, Maybe you could suck um, my own dick, bitch. <laughs> So, um, my top ten, I had my top ten, but, um, you, we already discussed a lot of stuff that was on my top ten, so, uh, I just kept the three... I'm not snorting lines of coke over here like you, Jesus. I just kept the three that, um, were not mentioned. Okay. What were they? I had the Alien 3 assembly cut. Ooh. In my top ten. Very nice. Which I think is one of the most underrated sequels of all time. Agreed. The assembly cut. I feel like a lot of people that shit on Alien 3 have not seen the assembly cut. Agreed again. Go watch the assembly cut. It's a beautiful masterpiece. But you know what? I think a lot of people would still hate it. Because Just it's not aliens. Yep. Like, but they... You have to remember, the series started out with like a very creepy, dark, claustrophobic horror film... And then the sequel to that was like a popcorn action movie, action movie for the whole family, but rated R. And I'm not taking anything away from that because Aliens is obviously fucking amazing. Yeah. But so I mean, what right do you have to say that Alien Three can't be a creepy, depressing, claustrophobic? It's horror film. It's one of the one of the credits I will give the Alien franchise, at least as far up for the first three films, is each film has its own identity. I feel like Resurrection has its own identity. It kind of does. I will defend Resurrection <laughs> until my death. And you know what? I will not fist fight anyone that doesn't <laughs> like it. I, I understand, but I've always liked it. Well, we'll dive when we do the Alien franchise. We'll dive deeper into. But, but yeah, Alien 3, I will say three things. Sigourney Weaver's best performance in the franchise. Charles S. Dutton is fucking amazing. That he is. delivers, like, so many amazing speeches. They gave that guy the best dialogue. What was the line you always said from there? So. I don't know which line oh. I always said no. If the, I mean, maybe someone should have given William Butler that kind of dialogue in Leatherface, and I would have liked it a little more. Jeez. Number three, David Fincher. You didn't do a bad job, man. Does he not? He yeah, because he doesn't f- well, like the film, right? Well, because they they fucked him like they fucked Jeff Burr. <laughs> Two different studios, but, but same David, same dick style though. David Fincher, I know you moved on to other things. You have fucking Gone Girl now. So good, right? Social Network bored me to tears. But you have a great career, but I think you should go back and watch the Assembly Cut Valiant 3, because I think you'll be like, man, I did a pretty good job. He did. Uh, I. It's my favorite David Fincher film. 
Silence of the Lambs, I think we already have confirmed that you guys think it's a boring, <laughs> overrated piece of shit. <laughs> but that it also deserves the acclaim it gets. So I will keep it short, and I will just say that... Short and concise, my friend. Short and concise. They took shit that you see in, like, over-the-top... What am I trying to say? Like, I don't know. Grindhouse-style... Not grindhouse style though. <laughs> so you compared it to a grindhouse style movie and over the top. But oh, wait, did you call it over the top? Like the movie but over either. the top would still. <laughs> okay, here's what else. I just rethought the whole thing. So Silence of the Lambs is. I mean, it's more than just a horror film because people consider it like a suspense film or just a serial killer film or a crime movie. So it fits in different genres, much like. Jaws does, or Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Hocus Pocus is a... Why are you laughing about that, you psycho fuck? So, anyway... Hocus Pocus is a horror film, and we t- we'll talk I about I said that... <laughs> they took, like, this be dude okay? <laughs> being this weird... I mean, some transsexuals are weird. They take it to places that they should not take it to. Wait, what? And what? I'm so lost here. And a couple of those transsexuals, like Leatherface <laughs> or <laughs> Buffalo Bill, in this instance. Oh my so god! Like, where the fuck are you going with this? You should not walk around cutting off bitches' skin and wearing it. There's other ways to cross-dress. So. <laughs> But that's not my point. <laughs> what the fuck is your point? This George, you're fucking fuck. You said I got lost in the weeds. You talking about taking? I was taking you on a roller coaster. I'm a big. Sound. We fucking have left the amusement park with you. I'm a big Silence of the Lambs. Fan. All right, what else do you have to say about? Are you done with Silence of the Lambs? Can we fucking move on? You know what I like. <laughs> When you can take a scene where it's just two people talking and make it intense. Those scenes where Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins are sitting around talking to each other. She's trying to get information out of him. He's trying to fuck her psychologically. That, I'll have to check it out. Scenes, it's, been, it's been a while since I watched it. but it just it's, off it's, and fucking flings his cum at her. Yeah, that happened. And <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, like, it's like he's looking you straight in the eyes when you watch the movie. His performance... I've seen the whole artist, the whole artist that you've seen. ...is amazing. And I don't even want to talk about the scene with the lotion in the basket, because I think it's a little over-quoted. Yeah, it's, I feel like that's the only thing quoted from that movie. Well, and, it, it's, and the song Goodbye Horses. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah, lotion, basket, dog. Anthony Hopkins isn't in that scene, and he's the best actor in the movie. And he has the least amount of screen time. Jodie Foster, lover... And are we done with Silence of the Lambs? We, we are. And now we're on to, at the time, the scariest movie since Silence of the Lambs, Candyman, which was made one year later. And those words were on the cover of the box. Perfect. Neat. You guys have anything to say about Candyman? Because I feel like... No, I love Candyman. And obviously that kind of helped put... And even after, obviously, Tony Todd like really got... I mean, he, was in, he had some smaller roles... Uh, uh-huh. Um, was he in Silverado? Why did I think he was in Silverado? 
Um, but he was in Platoon, yeah. and obviously Night of the Living Dead 1990 is when he dipped his feet in the horror world, at least, I, I think that's the first horror movie Yeah, and then he slipped and he fell and he hasn't pulled himself back out, poor guy. Really? You think so? I mean, yeah, he does hatch it, too, in. and Final Destination, like, I mean, Ooh, that, that's, that's what I'm saying, you said he dipped his foot in the horror, or whatever, He's still there. He has he never some left. smaller credits, and he does is in one episode of uh, Riverdale as well. Um, so anyway, Candyman's a great movie. It is, and, and it's the way it utilizes the horror of the urban environment. I I like that you have talked about that too, about how like uh, you know movies like uh, you know Night of the Living Dead kind of give you like uh, a fear of like the ruralistic. Uh, setting that Candyman also gives you the fear of their urban setting yes. as well. Everyone's afraid of the bad part of the city. The, the projects. Yes. We don't have them. But there's, there's projects in Syracuse. Well, sure. They're just not... They're not like Cabrini Green, alright? There's no guys coming through mirrors and gunning bitches. I wish. No, but Candyman right. Candy is another film that, like, when I do think of the 90s, that is one of the handful that I do think of. Yeah. Um, and Candyman was just iconic. I feel like uh, whenever, even as a kid, when someone said Candyman, I knew exactly what they were talking yeah. about, you know. Tony Top of the Hook and fucking bees. Like, yeah. it's exactly what you think of. There's so many iconic, like, scenes that freaked me out so much when I was oh, a kid. Yeah. Like, the scene with the little boy that got castrated in the bathroom. Yeah. That is that's fucked up, Sean. Did you guys ever go in the yeah. bathroom and say Candyman in the mirror? Yes. Yeah, definitely. That movie is ahead of its time. I feel. I still feel like it's ahead of its time. Well, there was just I. I got to a point where I'm like, what's the worst that'll happen? Tony Todd's gonna show up and gut me. Yeah, right. I'll try it out. <laughs> he didn't show. <up>. No. <laughs> but I did, you know, pay him twenty bucks for his autograph. I thought he was more than twenty bucks. Probably more than 20 bucks. I think, I, think it's like, I think it's like 40. I don't want to set unrealistic expectations. So, uh... Um, this, are you good now? Just, can, can we talk can about I 1990? quick list of things I love about Candyman? Yeah, go ahead. I, I didn't know we were still on it. <laughs> I thought we just did that. Alright, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> the score by Philip Glass, one of my favorite horror movie scores of all time. And they don't have that on, on vinyl yet. Virginia Madsen, I haven't seen her in a lot of shit, but her performance in it is amazing, and she has this, like, beautiful, like, golden age of Hollywood look to her. <laughs> yeah, I said it. She's got them Betty Davis eyes. Okay, so what else you got on Candyman for us? Everyone's so, like, scared of Candyman. I, I just, I love the guy. Feel sorry for what uh, what happened to him. It's a tragic, tragic. And figure. I'm like, I understand. You got fucked over pretty bad. They chopped off your hand. You got stung to death by bees, because you had consensual sex with a white woman. <laughs> consensual. Uh, and now you're dead. And now people keep like calling your name in the mirror, so you show up and. He's got to deal with a lot of shit, old Candyman. Yeah, and so, I also love the second one, but I won't go into it. Thank God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking long-winded ass. Yeah. All that to fucking say she that fucking... I finally feel... She had Betty Davis eyes. I 
feel heard on this podcast finally. Perfect. That's all we've did, ever. Did you name off ten films? I named off my that the mil. Ugh. I don't know. I named off the movies that were in my list that you guys didn't mention. Exactly. Okay. Good. Uh, so 1990. Pull up your little thing. Do you still have some movies broken down by a year? Oh yeah. Perfect. This is gonna be like a whole another three hours. It won't be three hours. We'll we'll try to keep them a little a little more limited. We won't dive in unless we get down a deeper rabbit hole. Cool. Okay. I didn't write a list for this part. That's okay. You could chime in when you hear a movie you like. Okay. Stephen King's It. Does Ooh. that count? Yeah, of course. Series. Mini series, but yeah, I mean it's released uh, as a movie now. I mean it's That's just true. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, did they release it on two VHS tapes? Yes. Just one. No, yeah, it was two. It was okay. two. That movie fucked me up when I was a kid. And Eric, I don't know if it fucked you up as much. Because um, I know we both saw it at a young age. He's listening, by the way. Good. Yeah. Um, Pennywise the Clown, Tim Curry. Yeah. Name a more terrifying person. Why yeah, not? good. It was I know classic, now, iconic, obviously. Yeah, like now you'll watch it and it's a little different. And he makes you laugh. I, I do, he scares I do you laugh a lot. I still get freaked out by it. It's like, alright, part one, he's scary. Part two, or the last hour and a half of the movie, depending on which version you watch. I wish they would have... So, in hindsight now, I wish they would have swapped it. It's, it's kind of like you are watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street and then the fifth one. Right. <laughs> so, uh... Let's see, what, what did I write down for 1990? Obviously, Child's Play 2, I talked about that. So, uh, an- another one I wrote down, it was a, it was a lesser-known film. It was very low budget. It was called Demon Wind in 1990. And uh, that one I rented on a VHS tape, um, blindly, as a kid at the Lewis Point Market. And uh, that one's uh, Vinegar Syndrome recently, recently released that last year. Um, and that's a really fun, like, twisted fucking film. Obviously, some hokey, low-budget, like, effects, but fun nevertheless, uh, for sure. And then, of course, uh, a movie we gotta talk about, uh, fucking Nightbreed. Clyde Barker's Nightbreed, 1990. Yes. Fucking amazing. Right? That, that could have been in my top ten. If I put more yeah. thought into it. Yeah, I mean, there was some that, like, I thought about, and I was just like, should that go in? And I was just like, I'll try to just keep it to what I've watched, like, the most as a kid. Right. Just to kind of narrow it down a little bit more. Um, right, because Nightbreed, I haven't seen that many times. Yeah. I've seen the theatrical cut once and the director's cut once. Yeah. But I've seen... It's amazing. Theatrical cut a bunch and director's cut, like, twice, two, three times. But, yeah, Nightbreed's amazing, and, and that was such a cool little, like, uh... I like the effects in that a lot. Yeah, they're amazing, and, and and it's such a cool little monster movie. The score is great. Didn't Danny Elfman do the score? Did he? Did Danny pretty, Elfman I'm do the score sure. for fucking Nightbreed? I'm pretty sure. That's crazy. Another movie, uh, lower budget, one I wanted to touch on just because I remember as a kid was Highway to Hell with uh, Rob Lowe's brother, Chad Lowe, and Christy Swanson. Also, C.J. Graham, who played Jason in Jason Lives, plays the cop. The Hell Cop. And uh, Ben Stiller has a small cameo in that, Ooh. as does Jerry Stiller, his father. Um, and that's, like, such a fun movie. I can't remember who, right off the top of my head, who put that one out. It might have been Synapse. What movie? Highway to Hell. No, I've never seen it. Oh, it's a great film. Fucking awesome. It we, sounds pretty awesome. Oh, dude, we might have to watch it. It's fucking great. 
Um, a couple other ones that I had from 1990. Uh, Stephen King, King's Graveyard Shift. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Fucking Stephen uh, Machi's in that one. I don't, I don't want to cut you off, Jesse, but Danny Elfman did do the music for Nightbreed. Perfect. That's sick. That explains how why it's so fucking great. But yeah, um, Graveyard Shift. You guys seen Graveyard Shift? Bah, bah, bah. I watched it once with you. Yeah, fucking great. Brad Dorf's character, and that's fucking so intense. It's awesome so special effects. Yeah, great. Uh, a lot of Stephen King uh, adaptations in the 90s. A lot. Yeah. You know, you look at The Stand, The Langoliers, like... Uh, fucking... There was a... There was so, there was so many. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, it was cool to see some of these other films... In the in the nineties too, that were kind of cross weaving into like where you saw more animal horror movies or insect horror movies or arachnid horror movies. Arachnophobia, nineteen ninety, Jeff Daniels. Ah shit, Lonely. and Julian Sands as well was in that, right? Yep, and there was all that. Made John Goodman. John Goodman. That year there was also Shockma about the monkey. I didn't see that one. Who did I watch that with? Me. Really? Me and Dan? Dan okay. and I? Shockma. We watched that with uh, Birdemic. Starring Amanda Wiss of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Nice. Well, co-starring, let's be real. Roddy McDowell's in that as well. Um, okay, let's see. What else? Uh, 1990. Oh, you know what else was 1990? Maniac Cop 2. Yes. Fucking awesome. An amazing sequel. And the third one was great too, which was 93. Those are fucking great sequels. They're underrated. They're I, underrated. I have three for 1990, but... Let's hear him. Oh, well, this is a shout-out for Dan, assuming he still listens to the podcast once in a while. I included Cat in the Brain, which is a 1990 Lucio Fulci movie. That He kind of put himself as the main character. The movie had, like, a, a weird sense of humor. He used footage from other movies, and he was trying to be self-referential, much like scream did later on a right. lot of a lot of movies like dipped into that before scream but it was perfected in scream right and the the whole point of the movie is like the psychological effects it has on a person directing these gore scenes like after several decades right um so that was a pretty cool movie i i have written down exorcist 3 which is a pretty great sequel brad dorf another amazing performance um, and lots of like, I mean, the tone of the movie, it's pretty slow paced and there's a lot of dialogue, but when the horror kicks in, it's like, it, it really like hits you. Oh yeah. You know definitely. what I mean? Do you remember obviously the hallway scene? Everyone talks about that. Yeah. Old ladies fucking crawling <laughs> on the ceiling. It, it gets pretty twisted. And of course, Psycho 4 which is one of the rare occasions where, like, a horror icon, in this case Norman Bates, gets to, you know, just have a graceful end to the franchise. Yeah. You know, Anthony Perkins, he always did an amazing job in every sequel. Yeah, he did. He was under... I feel like he's still underrated and under-talked about. And with each of the Psycho movies, it's like his character was progressing. He was going through different shit. Right. And it finally just, like, he finally got to, like, live a normal life. And obviously it had the flashbacks with Henry Thomas playing the younger version of him. And Mm -hmm. Olivia Hussey is his mom. C-A-C-H Pounders in it. Directed by Mick Garris. Mick Garris, uh, 
to di to dive and jump up a couple years upon the McGarris, another Stephen King adaptation from '92, uh, yep. Sleepwalkers. Yeah, which I believe yeah. Stephen King just wrote a screenplay, right? There was no book. Uh, no, it was just a screenplay, and uh, McGarris directed. Obviously, he had a uh, bunch of cameos: Clyde Barker, Toby Hooper. Fucking awesome, awesome, awesome fucking uh, film. Uh, yeah. that, that one's. I feel like I. I feel like that one doesn't get enough love. No, it's, like it's extremely really underrated. Yeah. It's a amazing really, score. Amazing it's a score. fun movie. I understand. It's not for everyone. It's no, no. Like, it's it's uh, pretty out there. Definitely is. Um. So uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll try to be uh, a little a little zippy. So this isn't a five hour podcast, <laughs> but I'm sure people are enjoying. Ninety one. What do you got for ninety one? I know I already talked about Children of the Night, which had Amy Delenz. If you want to, and to just. To just hop on Amy Delenz here for a minute. Yeah, let's hop right on her. Mm. Uh, Amy Delenz, Children of the Night, 1991, and she was also in Jeff Burr's Pumpkinhead 2 in 94, but yeah. then before that she was in Ticks in 93, and then Witchboard 2 in 93. Yes. So she had a little horror run there, and I yeah. remember seeing all those movies uh, on like Showtime, Cinemax, HBO, late at night, seeing Witchboard 2, or it was, you know, Ticks. And Pumpkinhead 2 I, I was a, one I watched a lot as a kid. I loved that one. Um, it's uh, it's funny, like her and someone like J. Trevor Edmond, who was in Return of the Living Dead 3, which was from 1993. Um, and they also played together in Pumpkinhead 2 in 1994. <clears throat> when horror uh, has like some of these, especially in the 90s, had these actors who did a few horror films and then kind of disappeared. You know what I mean? Especially like someone like Amy Delenz, who did act up until it looked like it looks like she had acted up until like 2010 on and off here and there, and done some stuff uh, in past 2010 here and there, and some TV shows and stuff. But it's crazy that she like bounced up in a few horror films, um, kind of got her name known within the horror realm a little bit, and then disappeared. I feel like if she did a convention now, I mean, I would meet her. I would love. I got a million questions I'd want to ask her. Which I mean, me and seven other people, ever, but still, yeah, it's still very cool. But what do you, what do you got for nineteen ninety one? Not a whole lot. Like, yeah, that wasn't you know people under the stairs. That was in my list, and that was in my top ten. But right, I, right. Yeah. I haven't mentioned it much myself because you covered that. I have Freddy's Dead. Freddy's See, Dead. and I'm obvious. You know, I'm not. I've never been a big fan of that one. Yeah, I which I, I am though. It's I worth mentioning. Yeah, definitely. And you I know, Freddy's Dead, directed by Rachel Talalay. I'm not making an argument. I'm just saying I personally didn't enjoy it. Oh. Rachel Talalay yeah. directed, which she came up through the New Line ranks, worked her way up until yeah. she was uh, graced with the opportunity to direct what was supposed to be the last uh, Elm Street. I like entry. her. Her story, or like, rise. oh yeah, definitely. Like, it's there's great. so much I appreciate about the movie. That being one of them, I love the Johnny Depp cameo. Like, there's so many good cameos. Johnny Depp, Alice Cooper. Oh yeah, there's Roseanne, so many. Tom Arnold. I know, so random. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, ninety one, another Stephen King adaptation. Sometimes they come back. Yeah, fucking amazing. Uh, which we're gonna we're gonna dive into some. Uh, Sometimes Robert they come Russell. back, some, some, some sleepwalkers. We're going to dive into a few more Stephen King adaptations within the next month and a half or so, for sure. Make sure you guys give me that list of what Stephen King would you go talk about so I can catch up. Refresh. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Also, uh, Child's Play 3. Child's Play 3. Yeah, like, Chucky, 
every child's play slash trucking movie, whatever you want to call it now, um, they're all so entertaining. I'm on the same boat with you. I love them. Love like, you could just throw Chucky as a character in any situation. And it's going to be either funny and, or scary. Yes. Or both. You know, you can have both, too. He is fucking hilarious. I don't care. Like, Well, three's really where he, like, uh, he really started to do, like, the, the comedy, like, that was when you saw more and more of it. Even though that, you really didn't see it until, like, see the, not see the Chucky, uh, Bride of Chucky, you really saw yeah. the comedy come in. But, like, two and three was, like, when they were starting to turn the dial up right. a little bit on the, yeah. the comedy aspect. But that you, opening you scene... You Child's Play 3 for the one-liners. Yeah. Mainly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you watch uh, the ending of Child's Play 2, where he dies in the fucking doll fat, the good guy factory. And then at the fucking beginning of the third one, when they're fucking mixing all the shit and getting the factory going again... And then he fucking comes back because yeah. his blood drips in the fucking thing. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's so underrated. It's another great opening credit So sequel. fucking good. See, that always sticks in my mind with it, uh, about that movie is the kid jumping on the grenade. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love Whitehurst. Uh, Andrew Robinson as the uh, lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. Obsessed with buzzing those guys. Oh, I know. And Presto, your ball. That's like my favorite role I've seen him in. I've seen it. I, he's Pumpkinhead he like Two, Pumpkinhead Two, uh, Dirty Harry, but he was also in Cobra. Yes, nineteen eighty six. There's just something I love about him in Child's Play Three. He's hilarious and he's having a ball with like a role that on he's paper, having a ball making guys ball. On paper, it was gonna be funny anyway. But Andrew Robinson, like, he brought it to the next level for yes, sure. And then it led to like one of my favorite Chucky one-liners in the movie. Presto, you dead. Yes, I wanted you to be the one to quote it. Perfect. Uh, so, just to kind of touch on the rest of the Stephen King adaptations that we have throughout the 90s, uh, let's see. Duke, Duke, do. We got The Stand miniseries, 1994. Fucking great. Underrated. I can't wait for them to remake it because I think they could. That's one of the things that could do well with a remake. And another one that's going to do well if they ever remake it, if they ever have the balls to, to do it and pull it off. Uh, Tommy Knockers, another yes. miniseries. Just found that today. Uh, the DVD was really hard to track. It was easy to track down, but like, I sometimes I don't like buying off eBay just because I like the natural find, right. naturally finding. Just walking around and grabbing shit. Exactly, and I found that one for three ninety nine today, and I haven't seen the Tommy Knockers since I was a kid. So boom, two more Stephen King adaptations. Like we said, there was a lot. There's so many in the nineteen nineties. Uh, uh, another one, thinner. The Thinner, mm-hmm. 1996. Fucking great. I, I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but older you get, yeah. it gets better. I'll agree with that, because I just recently rewatched it, and I, I had so 19. much fun with it. It just didn't appeal to me as a, as a kid. Right, which I can but. see. Um, another one, uh, The Night Flyer. Yeah. 1997. I have to... It's been so long since I've seen that. Yeah. You have it, right? We should watch it. I don't have a DVD, I only have VHS. <laughs> I'll buy VCR Salvation Army. I know. I need one. Uh, yeah, Night Flyer, fucking... Miguel Ferrer. He's, he's one of my favorites. He's very... He's been in a lot of great shit. Obviously, Twin Peaks. Fucking yeah. Blank Jack. <laughs> yeah, of course. He's the fucking man. Uh, let's see. Was there any other Stephen King adaptations that I wanted to note? Yes. I don't think so. Is there? Oh, I got one. What do you got? Half to the dark half. The dark half, nineteen ninety three. Of course, I just watched that. I'm currently reading the book. I haven't 
Well, I didn't just watch it. I just rewatched it. Um, so yeah. I realized that I hadn't owned it, and I was just like, "Fuck! I, why do I not own that Scream Factory as a release of it out?" Um, and I haven't read the book in years, and I just dove back into the book, and it's it's amazing. And uh, the film is really underappreciated. I, I really do think the film is underappreciated. And Timothy Hutton fucking kills it. And I can't wait to talk more of that when we do the Stephen King adaptations for sure. Um, there was a Mick Garris version of The Shining. If, yeah, <laughs> if maybe, you another miniseries. Worth yeah. mentioning. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I think it's not that bad. Like, I haven't watched it since I was a kid, so I need to revisit that. Oh, I mean, a kid, probably like more early teens. Book. Yeah, that's yeah. What I yeah. like is that it's just a different take on it. Like I think the Stanley Kubrick version is a million times better. Yeah, this version gets a little cheesy, mm. but, but the acting be... is really good. And yeah. you know, Jack Torrance has this whole character arc that we don't really get to see Jack Nicholson play. Right, and he's you know he's struggling throughout the story. And right, that's what we get to see from I believe Jake Weber is the actor's name, and that's the thing we have good actors playing the parts like the way they are in the book so it's kind of a different take right um, rebecca de mornay plays wendy and she's a bit more like strengthener than shelly duvall was allowed to have it's uh and we get more dick dick halloran <laughs> there you go love dick halloran we get more dick halloran so um another thing i wanted to uh touch on quick obviously was uh it's the Tales from the Crypt movies. You get Demon Knight, and uh, just watch that again. Was that ninety five, and then um, mm-hmm. and then ninety six? We got Bordello Blood, yeah. which Bordello Blood, both of them have gotten the the Blu Ray like special, special collector's editions from uh, Scream Factory and stuff, and uh, and I know there's a fan base obviously for Demon Knight, and I think there's a smaller, even a smaller one for Bordello Blood. Bordello Blood is so much fun and it's such a awesome flick and I feel like that one's kind of underappreciated no comment Ryan Bordello of Blood I barely remember honestly damn okay but uh, I, li- I liked it when I watched it now this is a movie that just got bumped off my uh, top 10 when we were doing our top 10 as well was uh, another huge uh, movie for the 90s was Interview with the Vampire yeah you know Tom Cruise Brad Pitt I also uh, Kristen don't. Dunst I have to rewatch that. Fucking great, uh, amazing. I think they adjusted that. Yeah, it's uh, I'm surprised we don't have like a better. Uh, I have the Snapcase DVD. Same here. I, <laughs> I wish there was a there was a better uh, keepsake. You know they call them keepsake DVDs. Those those cardboard cardstock oh, ones with the fuck. Yeah, they're called keepsake ones for whatever I reason. I think they just put that on Netflix or was it one of those streaming apps? Oh yeah, it's on Netflix. I put it on my list. <laughs> Because it probably looks better on Netflix than the DVD. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah, great fucking flick. Uh, so '93, I gotta. Well, before we go there, uh oh, because I got a few well, few we for '93. I know, I know, and I only have one that I can see on my list for '92 because we we already touched on Pet Cemetery and Candyman, um, Innocent Blood. Hmm. You know what's funny? I bought that but never watched it. Uh, sick flick, uh, you know, Godfather meets, you know, a vampire movie. It's fucking great. It's so sick. Uh, big fan of that one. What do you got for 92, Brian? 
Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Hell, yeah. I actually like that one a lot. Fucking great. Yeah, it's nostalgic. Like, the more I watch it, the more I'm like... They were definitely trying to, like, commercialize Pinhead. Commercial? They were commercializing it. Commercializing? Marshmallow. Marshall. Who gives a fuck how I'm saying it? I know. the word. I just find it entertaining when you say commercial. And that commercial. commercial. There you go. That sounds even weirder. Commercial. Just let me say it the way it comes out of okay, my mouth. Okay, go for it. Oh, it's been said. <laughs> so they were making Pinhead into more of like a Freddy Krueger type character. Right. Very right. different. Like, because he was never the villain before. At least not the main villain. But they were definitely capitalizing on like Pinhead is what you think of when you think of Hellraiser. He's the face on the, on the box art. Yeah. And... It's a very fun movie. There's a very awesome, like, metal soundtrack. They brought the story to the United States. Uh, fucking fuck. You know, what's funny is... The club scene is amazing. It is fucking astonishing. And the the way that film was shot, it looks nice. I love the way that film shot. Well, it's directed by Anthony Hickox, who did... Waxwork. Mm -hmm. Waxwork 2. Warlock the Armageddon. Um, That's all I know. And you, you know it's funny a uh, little uh, little fun fact about that I I hear on on Sirius XM when I listen to uh, either Ozzy's Boneyard or uh, Liquid Metal I hear people ref- talk about when they play the Motorhead version of Hellraiser the song which uh, Motorhead did a video with Doug Bradley in it for the for the soundtrack slash movie I hear people say that Motorhead covered it no Hellraiser was written by Lemmy and Motorhead. And they were making uh, that album uh, the same time that they were making uh, uh, March or Die. March or Die. They were making that same time Ozzy was making uh, No More Tears. So at the same time that they were making those two albums, uh, Ozzy wanted the song. Lemmy's like, "Yep, you can have it, but I'm also going to have it on the Motorhead record." That's fine. Both recorded versions of it. Um, but it's funny when people try to say that it is a Ozzy song. It's not. It was written by Lemmy, and Lemmy wrote "Mama, I'm Coming Home" for the No More Tears yeah. album. Both, Just so ver- both versions are great. I think definitely, definitely. Motorhead version better, but yes, the Ozzy version is great. Uh so uh, ninety-three, What do you got for ninety-two? Let's spit them out. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk with Me. Horror? Question mark. That's. I like that you say that because it's like, is it horror? Well, yes. It's terrifying. It's a possession movie, pretty much. Yeah. There's you, possession. And I mean that in murder. a positive sense when I question it. I, because David Lynch honestly has David Lynch's films are their own genre. I've said what I needed to say. I'm glad I mentioned it. We can move on. Perfect. Ninety three. So I'm gonna rattle off one, two, three, four, five movies from 1993. You better. Uh. John Carpenter, Body Bags. Oh yeah, shit. Fucking great anthology film, kind of underrated. Does have a Scream Factory release. Yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, another one we talked about him, or, or did we? Uh, J. Trevor Edmund, Return of the Living Dead three. Super fucking creepy. Watched that one fucking a ton as a kid. And that one, there was too many films in my top ten. I, I wanted to crack that one into the top ten. I just couldn't. If anything, it's an honorable mention. Uh, fucking great. Again, J. Trevor Edmund is in that. He's in fucking uh, Pumpkinhead 2 with Amy DeLenz. Uh, he's a great actor. Uh, 
Melinda Clark is is in that one as well. It's just fucking River Man is in that too. That fucking it's a that's a fun film and I feel like that one's underrated in the Return of the Living Dead, Living Dead World. I think it's a very um, deep movie. Like, because it's got a love story. It's classic Romeo and Juliet. But it shows the very, the selfish nature of love. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, like, I'm not doing this because it'll be better for you. I'm doing this because I love you and I need you. And despite what's better for you, I need you. Exactly. Like, basically, like, she's never going to be happy when she's fucking feeding off brains. Sean, mm-hmm. so just let her die. You already fucking ran her into the the telephone pole, you idiot. <laughs> uh, Leprechaun, ninety three. Yes, yeah, like, I'll cross that off mine. <laughs> <laughs> fucking great film. We talked about the Leprechaun uh, franchise uh, a little bit on an episode. You can go back and look at back that one from March twenty seventeen. <laughs> fucking Leprechaun, like Ward Davis. Where are you? He's the fucking man. And there's the fucking. Uh, the Leprechaun TV series coming to fucking sci-fi next year. I thought it was... So what? It's a TV series now? Isn't that what it is, Sean? There's a TV series coming out? Sean, you told me about it. Did I? I told you about Leprechaun Return. I told you about something. Leprechaun Return. Oh, anyway, we're getting lost in the weeds here. Oh, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, yeah. 93. Obviously, if you want to hear that one, you can visit... The Friday the 13th franchise that we did about a year ago. Almost. And that was fucking sick as shit. Yes, it was. Uh, another movie I want to talk about, Hocus Pocus. Obviously, it's more of a, a family-friendly uh, Halloween horror comedy kid movie. People like Dan Clausen are going to shit-talk it and try to pretend like they don't like it because they want to be super edgy. Dan, I love you, but you're fucking lying when you say Hocus Pocus ain't great. <laughs> If you want to make a Dan Cole in your book, he did text me saying he loved the Predator, so... Perfect, I'm shocked. Um, <clears throat> 1994, another Eddie Furlong movie, Brain Scan, just yeah. got released on Scream Factory. Are, I can't... I have movies to mention, too. I know, but we gotta get going. This fucking podcast right. has been super long. No, you can mention them, but no, we gotta I'm run done. through. I'm done. Oh, my God. Do you always get this dramatic? What does your boyfriend think of you? 1994 brain scan brain scan super fucking sick love it uh 95 uh, (laughs) i ain't got much more other than the ones i've named and vampire in brooklyn which is fucking hilarious ahoy motherfucker ahoy motherfucker uh 96 the motherfucking craft yeah awesome awesome love the fucking craft excellent witch movie what about tales from the hood tales from the hood is fucking great i fucking love it and i just showed you that movie this year Village of the Damned remake. Village of the Damned. Pretty sick. Okay. In the Mouth of Madness, dude. Yeah. In the Mouth of Madness is sick. This is what happens. I crossed some of these. Sh- yeah, except I crossed some of these off because I didn't want this to oh, be yeah, a five-hour we're podcast. We're trying to... This is awkward. We're trying to rush through it and... You're, you know what? You're right. You just brought levity to the whole episode. Like... Did I? I think you did. Okay. Well, <laughs> is this the end of it? <laughs> no, no, keep talking. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have your podcast. And oh my god! No, I'm not this trying to be dramatic. This podcast is over. You can find us on <laughs> iTunes. I'm just gonna, <laughs> in front of while these people are listening. I am gonna propose the idea that you go through the rest of your list, and if I can chime in too. Okay. 
And at the end of it, if there's anything I feel, it won't be another Silence of the Lambs, but if I feel the need to, like, <laughs> add one or two movies this that sounds didn't perfect. get See? Yes. See, I, I like it. Guys, we just make this shit up. We roll off the cuff. In 1996, yeah, The Craft. Robin Tooney, Skeet Ulrich, Nev Campbell, and Skeet, both in that in 96. Also in Scream in 96. Pretty sick. Pretty funny, right? Laugh, Ryan. Did you say Ferruja Balk? No, I didn't. Ferruja Or Balk. Rachel True. Like, there's four of them. What the fuck else was Rachel True besides Half-Baked? My <laughs> heart. <laughs> uh, 1997. I would like to talk about two films. American Werewolf in Paris. Yes. <laughs> I think it's funny, but it's also cool. It's, it's I hip like and it. edgy. Yeah, it is hip and edgy. It's sleek and sexy. Do <laughs> 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 you feel like a lot of... A lot of places that were fucking... Well, I just realized that I was, like, just running through. I was like, oh, my Leprechaun was sick at work. It was 94. We had brain scan, and that was fucking cool, because Eddie Furlong was in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what else do we got? Ahoy, motherfucker. Vampire in Brooklyn, 95. Take a breath. And then we have the crap. Robin Dooney. What's next? 97? It's like you're... I hear a nigger in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I'm pretty like we're we're a little tired right now, but people probably think they would never guess I was straight edge. They think I'm doing fucking lines of coke out here. <laughs> like, what do we got now? Ninety nine. Anyway, yeah. Oh, fuck my list up. Okay, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> thoughts on American Werewolf in Paris. I was just thinking about it the other day, and I'm like, it's been so long since I've watched American Werewolf in Paris. I gotta give it a watch. I don't. Do I even still own it? I don't what would have happened to it, <laughs> I, dude? I swear to God, I, I thought I owned it too. Like, because I could have swore I watched it several times, and I went to go look for it. I couldn't find. It. It's not a movie that I really look for. I'm. I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna try to find it. Tom Ooh. Everett Scott, and I'll bring it here. You was know, funny because of that movie. I bought that Bush cassette tape just for yeah, mouth, mouth, and they bought it for memes. That movie, or that song, is overwhelming. It is. It fucking yeah. swallows you up. Like, like literally. A I feel like <laughs> Gavin Rosdale just ate me. <laughs> uh, 97, obviously, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember when the Lee. movie uh, was getting released on VHS, people were like, oh my god, it's like one of the scariest movies of all time. I think this podcast went so well. Until, like, I was trying to get through the list, and I was just, like, running, and Brian's like, wait, what the fuck's going on? Sarah Michelle Gellar is in it. Yeah, right. I know Fico. what you did last summer, and you know what? Those two are my Jennifer favorite. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yes. But my two Heart favorite characters Rob. are Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Felipe. And they both get killed, and then we're left with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ryan Felipe Prince. was a douchebag, though, in that movie. He was a douchebag with a heart, alright? He was... It was a rough exterior. He was very... Man, fuck him. You leave Somebody, Ryan Felipe alone. He was, in he was a lot like you, actually, but better looking. Oh! This podcast is over. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dickhole. Well, yeah. I'm not wearing the one wearing a fucking royal blue fucking v-neck right now. What the fuck Don't, is that, Haynes? It was a joke, dude. We're on air. For the loom ass. Anyway. Yeah, that, was a, that felt like a turning point for film horror films as well that's kind of riding on the <laughs> and age fuck 
No. Fucking. <laughs> She's in it. Johnny Galecki. Oh my God, Galecki is in it. He plays the little date rapist, the kid that wants to date rape fucking Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. You know what he does? <laughs> yeah. He does have those creepy looks, and then you know they always do that with the guys that aren't the killer. But yeah. But then you're like. But after we're after the movie, you're like, well, then what was that creepy look for? So yeah, he's probably a date rapist. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like by the time when people are listening to this, and by the time they realize, they're like, holy shit, why are they going through like 18 movies in like 130 <laughs> seconds? And, and then when they get to the levity of it, I hope they're like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but the Mummy, 1999, with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Why are you laughing? I because it's funny, all right. Dude, Brandon Fraser's the man. There he were is. so many years where I had like the snottiest uh, attitude about that movie. Oh, you I mean like up until twenty eighteen? Yeah, up until you just bought the Blu-ray box set. Like, yeah, they have a Blu-ray box set of the fucking Mummy movies. Oh, dude, yeah. it's so cool. It comes with uh, the book no of the fucking dead. way. It comes with the Book of the Dead. It's a well, mine's a steel book that is the Book of the Dead. No shit. Yeah. So I find Best Buy? Ooh, you know what? No, dude. I bought it online. Oh shit. <laughs> I feel like I'm not myself. <laughs> I feel like none of I feel like once we fucking literally finished the top deads and then we talked like about nineteen ninety at well from ninety one to like ninety six it was just like what I imagine people on acid fucking deal with. Just so everyone knows, after this podcast, there's probably just going to be mostly awkward silence until Sean finally says, well, I'm going to go home, guys. <laughs> I need some fucking taco about for this. Alright. So, 99, The Mummy, very fun. Rachel Wise, what a cutie, right? Yeah. Brendan Fraser, you're alright. Yeah, he's a cutie. Have you seen um, a single man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With um, honors? It's just a fun action movie, you know? Horror question mark? No, it's definitely horror. It's fucking mummy. It's a universal it's, monster. Yeah, but it's, it's more, more of like it's more horror than the fucking Tom Cruise one. It has a very you know family friendly atmosphere. That doesn't make it not horror. No, not at all. So I just argued with myself. Yeah, you did. Wait, um, so it's do you guys consider Hocus Pocus a horror movie then? It's yeah. like children's horror. It's like it's like yeah, it's like calling Ghostbusters a horror movie. Exactly, I agree with that. Oh, so, yeah, the mummy box set as the mummy, the mummy returns, the scorpion king, even. And Was there, like, a scorpion king returns? It doesn't know. have the scorpion king sequels, but it does have the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor. Oh, yeah, the third one. Is that the title of the third one, or did it just mash a bunch remember. of words together? I don't know, that sounds like a fucking Harry Potter movie to me. Well, Brendan Fraser's back, some other chick's playing Perfect. Rachel Wise's character, and Jet Li's the villain, I think. Jet Lee, the villain. Huh. Interesting. Inter- right. 90s, what did you? What did Halloween H two O. Ninety eight. Yeah. You skipped over it. Oh fuck! You know what well, we didn't talk he about went from ninety six to ninety nine. Well, well, we're having the Halloween podcast anyway, so yeah, that's true. Fuck you, Halloween H two O. We'll talk about you later. Which you other know, than I would like to talk about? Other than Nightmare Before Christmas, which was the first film I ever saw in theaters. Nice. Uh, but the first horror film I ever saw in theaters was Halloween H2O. Nice. Mine was Scream 2. I already got into that on the Scream podcast. Nice. So. Mine was uh, House on Haunted Hill. Nice. I was the first. <laughs> oh. 
But yeah, uh, well, I was the last to lose my virginity, guys. So, so I was the first. I, let me just have that. So we'll wrap up this fucking. <laughs> Wait, not insane, not but... before I talk about the rage carry too, though. Oh <laughs> no, no fucking. We're gonna listen. This podcast has already got out in the weeds enough. We're gonna fucking. If bring I can't the rage... talk about the rage carry too, at least let me talk about Bride of Chucky. We talked about Bride of Chucky. It's comedy. We named Bride of Chucky? No. Yeah. You said Child's Play 2? Said... No, we talked about yeah. we Bride talked of about, Chucky. We talked about Bride of Chucky during We Child's said Play it was 3. a little more... That was when it really became like... It, the real comedy was turned up for what Child's Play. What did I say about Rob Zombie's on the soundtrack? There's so many good things I could say about it, but actually I will save that for the Child's Play franchise podcast. Perfect. So, uh... Brian's out. Brian's done talking. Good night, guys. <laughs> so, you can find us on Instagram, at Media on Twitter, at Media. Um, we got a little wild on this one. We fucking were kind of all over the place. I realized I was talking a mile a minute. I was so excited on the night, talking about all the 90s horror movie stuff, when we were going through our top tens, and then we talked about 1990, and then when we got to 91, it started to fucking... <laughs> started to Fibonacci spiral out, out of control, but I think this is our best podcast yet. Do you really think it's better than than the fucking Friday the Thirteenth franchise uh, podcast? That was pretty. We, we did talk about cripples in their dicks. You so. know what? I think uh, I don't know. There's been so many great episodes. The Night of the Creeps episode and the Monster Squad episodes, which are recent episodes, you can download, stream, and listen on SoundCloud and iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Rate and review on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends, uh, tell your mother, your brother, your cousin, um, get the word out there because you guys aren't doing enough, but we see people are listening. So you're failing as listeners. You're fucking failures. And you're fucking not helping get the word out. And it sucks. Comment on a fucking post that we make. Talk about how Brian He's can't just, stop talking about know. Silence of the Land. What Jesse's trying to do right now. <laughs> I don't know what Jesse's trying to do right now. It's like keep listening. I'm a coach in cla- in the class. And I'm like, you're a fucking failure. No, climb the fucking rope. Want to feel like talked down to when they're listening to your Is podcast. that talked down to though? I'm asking him to help get the word out. Oh, what? Yeah, that's different than like you're not fucking doing your job. It's like they're not <laughs> they're not on your dime, man. Actually. No, they're not on my dime. Or are they? I pay to have this thing fucking broadcast through SoundCloud and iTunes. Remember that time you criticized Adam Green? I'm not fucking asking for money, though. I'm asking for people to fucking just spread the word. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't give a fuck. We're still going to be entertained, because Eric's going to listen to this and be like, Oh my god, it's fucking great. You guys are fucking nuts. (laughs) I know. And that's that's all all I care about. This is all for Eric. That's all we really do it for. I did it for Eric. I appreciate every motherfucker who listens to this. I just like that people are listening. You know what I love, too? I love that, like, (laughs) all these other, like, the more I find of these other horror podcasts, they're so, like, prepared and, like, neat. Mind you, we were pretty prepared with a lot of, like, lists and a lot of movies to talk about, even if we ran through them with, like, (laughs) fucking speed round lightning and some of them. But uh, other than that, I think we were pretty well equipped for this podcast but there's so much more format and other ones you're not going to find that here but that is the glory of the heart guy media podcast i am your host jesse hs um and nothing nothing about this is ever going to be standard or 
traditional. So I hope you uh, hope you enjoy it. So yeah. Uh,